welcome to Top Growth. In tonight's segment, we will bring you on a journey to charming Nantucket Island to uncover a historic property and to historic Plymouth, Massachusetts, where a Boston area real estate investment group recently renovated one of the nation's most prized historic assets, the Plymouth Post Office, which recently celebrated its 100th anniversary. The magnificent post office building was purchased by 1620 Capital LLC, whose principals George Yanni and Nick Vasavatikas embarked on a spirited adventure to completely restore, renovate, and update the significant landmark with the approval and blessings of the Plymouth Historic District Commission. Throughout the entire renovation, 1620 Capital took every aspect of the prominent structure into consideration, from undercovering the building's neoclassic design to restoring its spectacular gold-domed clock tower, which can be seen for miles and miles. They even went so far as to masterfully relief it in real gold, bringing it back to its original vitality of a century ago. When the restoration was complete, the building emerged into a prized restoration of this historic landmark, reaffirming its best and highest purpose in garnering attention from preservationists from all across the nation. The first floor was renovated and currently houses the Plymouth Post Office in several professional offices. The second level was transformed into offices with three luxury residences and beautiful rooftop decks overlooking the water and the hustle and bustle of downtown Plymouth. The top floor was designed into an amazing penthouse residence with an expansive roof deck and access to the top of the clock tower. It is enveloped in history married with the most modern and state-of-the-art efficiencies. The building is listed on the National Register of Historic Places and was the 2017 recipient of the Paul and Nikki Songus Award for Best Main Street Development. Joining me today is George Vasifatikas, the managing partner and one of the principals of 1620 Capital and a true real estate visionary. George will take us on a journey through his experience with the restoration of his acclaimed Plymouth Post Office, and will also share how his passion for historic preservation and real estate redevelopment is recreating several noteworthy properties on the island of Nantucket, and in particular, 25 Broadway, one of the quaintest buildings in the United States, as described by Henry Chanley Foreman in his book, Early Nantucket in its Whale Cottages. It's all about rebuilding America, and this savvy group is well on their way to doing just that. George, I am so happy to welcome you here today, and thank you for joining me on Top Growth. Thank you so much for having me. Always well, a pleasure. Thank you. And I would like to begin our discussion about your dad. And um, it's truly an American story of um, entrepreneurship, of finding a better place here in America, and uh, really a perfect indication of rebuilding the American dream mm. and building the American dream from scratch. So would you share with our viewers your dad's story, and then we can talk all about your fabulous renovation project. Sure, absolutely. So uh, my father, Nick Vazvatikas, came to the United States from Greece in the 70s and he came from a poor 
uh, farming family from, uh, from up north in Greece and came here just like many immigrants before him with that uh, American dream in mind. And uh, he settled in Brockton, Massachusetts, south of Boston, and began working in the restaurant industry, uh, specifically in pizza restaurants. Mm -hmm. So he got his start there. And shortly after high school, ended up uh, buying an existing restaurant with his brother, uh, Middleborough House of Pizza. So from uh, a very early age, um, he had that entrepreneurial spirit and went on that first business venture with his, his brother. And he also became involved in real estate in the late 80s. So that's uh, some of the 1620 capital roots uh, trace back over three decades to Nick's first business ventures in the uh, restaurant world. It's fascinating. I mean, if you think about it, you know, your dad came to America looking for a better and brighter future and trying to create what we all, all of our, my grandparents were immigrants as well, and just really wanting something really special. And they, they're looking for what was known as the American dream. And, sure. and he came over and really found his place and what he really loved, his passion and for um, cooking and what he wanted to do. And then he transformed um, his earnings into real estate investments. And, and that actually is indicative of planting seeds for the future yes. for you and your brother. And, and so when did you and your brother come into the, to the business? Was it um, immediately when you were young kids, uh, teenagers, or was it after college or after undergoing other careers? Sure. Um, well, so like I said, you know, Nick had that first restaurant in the, uh, in the late 80s and he sold it and then he jumped uh, into real estate full-time as a sales agent and he was developing homes in the late 80s. And then in 89, he secured the location for Supreme Pizza Whitman, which is our current restaurant mm -hmm. in downtown Whitman. So he secured that location, the lease, and then began building out the restaurant in the fall of 89. Mm -hmm. And then we took a short trip to Greece as a family. All of you. And uh, my brother and myself and my father. And then we returned in the spring of uh, 1990. And that's when Supreme Pizza uh, Whitman opened. Okay. And so our involvement, uh, really, I mean, we had cribs set up in the, <laughs> in the restaurant. So I feel like we've been there since uh, day one. I was a year old when oh, uh, Supreme goodness. Pizza Whitman opened. Wow. And, and my brother Yanni was almost three. So. so you really grew up in the family business, and literally in the true sense of the word. Right, yes, right. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And you were there all the time. So you really, your father has such amazing work ethic. So you and your brother were really exposed to his great work ethic since you were ch small children. Yeah, he's been, uh, yeah. he's been going at the same pace since yeah. he came, came yeah. over. It's, uh, yeah. it's 100 hours a week for him every right. week. And, and uh, you know, at the beginning when he had a restaurant with his brother, uh, it was a little more split up. It was uh, the restaurant and the real estate. Mm -hmm. And then once 1990 uh, rolled around, it was just, just the restaurant uh, business for him. Uh, but our, our brother and I were inspired by his uh, real estate work. We used to dig through his files and we'd find some old plans from homes he built and, and hmm. things like that. Interesting. So when did you get the bug? When did you get this, I really have a passion, I'm interested in redevelopment or development projects. When for you, what was the uh, turning point for you um, where you said, you know, I love this, this is what I really would love to do. Um, 
was it after you embarked on a career in politics or what where where did that fall yeah, yeah in uh, your timeline it was always uh something we were interested in my brother and i my brother's kind of more the handy man in the in the trio mm -hmm. and and he was working with different tradesmen doing electrical work and and i used to enjoy doing landscaping when we were younger uh, but it really all came together in 2010. Uh, I was working in politics at the time as my full-time profession, and my brother had purchased uh, an investment property in Taunton. He mm -hmm. purchased a, a two-family home, and so that was really the start mm -hmm. uh, of the reemergence of our, our real estate activities in 2010. So he purchased that two-family in Taunton, and then several months later, I purchased the two family in Taunton right down the street. Mm -hmm. And we were working together, fixing them up, uh, managing uh, the properties, collecting the rents. And we said, why don't we buy the third one together? Right. So we, we formed a, a real estate holding group uh, for that third property. Mm -hmm. And so when you when we think about the, the Plymouth Post Office project, which I really want to spend a lot of time because sure. I know our viewers are going to be really interested in that. It's so fascinating. Yes. Um, when did you get the inclination that it was something that you wanted to do? When did you hear about it? Um, when did you know that there was a possibility that this might be available? And then take us on this journey through when you first had the idea to when you actually decided, okay, I've got to do this. Mm -hmm. And then, all right, I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. So when I uh, first got my real estate license in Massachusetts as a sales agent, I just that really invigorated me even more. You know, Yanni and I had purchased those uh, initial properties, but I was just out, just looking at properties, looking up, uh, you know, things at the Registry of Deeds, mm -hmm. just spending a lot of time in the truck driving around. And uh, I had been very familiar with uh, Plymouth, you know, from going down there as a, a child mm -hmm. and then as a young adult and, and then working there briefly in my professional career and came across the uh, Plymouth post office and, uh, a grand structure mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, located uh, prominently on the corner of Main Street and, and Leiden Street, which is the first street in America. Um, it was a charming building and uh, it really caught my eye. Um, it certainly uh, seemed like a penny that needed to be uh, shined up a little bit mm -hmm. from, uh, from my, my walk through, mm -hmm. uh, through the, the public areas. But I, I knew uh, we could do something great with it. So how did you know it was available uh, to purchase? Was there a um, was there a notice somewhere? Was there an how did you uh, discover that it was available to uh, purchase? Well, I had actually met the the previous owner who mm -hmm. had some some spaces for lease and mm -hmm. for another business venture. Mm -hmm. uh, we had looked at placing a, a tenant in one of the lease spaces, and it mm -hmm. didn't work out for that tenant. Mm -hmm. But I had kept uh, the previous owner's contact information. And he had kind of flirted with, with selling it over the years, but mm -hmm. at the time it wasn't actively on the market. So I, uh, one day I remember and I was sitting in my office and I had this, uh, this telephone number for a gentleman named Richard Melchin. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm going to call Richard and, and see if now's the time to sell. And I called him and he said, why don't you come down here? I was down there 45 minutes later and uh, we started to talk. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it took a while to get the deal together just to get them to agree to sell. Mm -hmm. So how long did it take? Uh, that was uh, about three months of talking oh my before God. we even got anywhere close to a sales contract. Mm -hmm. And then we did get to a sales contract 
And uh, actually, our financing was rejected uh, twice by uh, one particular lender, uh, but we still weren't uh, deterred. We went to another lender and were able to secure a commitment for the initial acquisition. Yeah, and that's a great story in perseverance and never giving up. So, so what was your feeling the first time you received the rejection for the financing? Uh, what went through your mind when you received that? Um, it was uh, it was disappointing. I was actually uh, I was driving through Brockton, uh, picking up bread for the restaurant, mm-hmm. and I remember I, I got the the letter through the email, and it's you read it on the screen, and and you're disappointed. Um, right. I've since printed out uh, rejection letters like that, and I, I have them framed in the uh, in the office as <laughs> Do uh, they inspire you as motivation. <laughs> right, so, exactly. uh, but it was certainly disappointing. But I knew there was something special mm-hmm. about the building where mm-hmm. you know our group was all in agreement that uh, that this, uh, for whatever reason, was the right project for us to tackle. Okay, so you were rejected from the first lender, and then you went and found another lender, and then what happened with that? So we ended up going to Mechanics Cooperative Bank mm-hmm. in uh, Taunton, which uh, we have a great relationship with them now mm-hmm. and, uh, and a lot of our portfolio with them. And so we worked with them for the initial acquisition. Mm-hmm. And still renovation plans were not even being discussed at this right. point. The priority was just to get this thing in our portfolio. So we did the acquisition financing with Mechanics mm-hmm. uh, Cooperative Bank with the understanding that we'd develop some renovation plans and then come back for additional financing. Mm-hmm. And then everything worked out fine from that point forward? It did. Oh, that's yes. wonderful. Yes. I have to tell you, when I walk through the building after, right after you renovated it, it was an enormous undertaking. Um, it was. It really was. I mean, every facet of that building, you really... Um, you just touched every facet of that building. And, and, and uh, one of the things that I found most remarkable um, was the lobby, even though it felt restored and it felt um, of the highest level of, um, it was beautiful, it still captured the essence of 100 years ago. And so all of the beauty was truly uh, preserved. And, and so tell us a little bit about... Um, from the, did you hire an architect, and then um, how did you choose that architect? What were the qualities you were looking for mm-hmm. in that architect, and and then from there, um, did you GC the contra- the pro- the project, mm-hmm. or why don't you take us through that? Um, sure. Yeah. So we we did use a, an architecture firm, uh, Raymond Design Associates, mm-hmm. out of uh, Rockland. They're a South Shore firm. I had a relationship with them through some uh, larger uh, school projects mm-hmm. that I had worked on as a member of the school committee. Uh, so this was a firm that was more equipped to do some of these larger, you know, multi-million dollar uh, school complexes. Mm-hmm. But they also had a passion for historical uh, preservation work. Uh, their principal mm-hmm. uh, architect, Gene Raymond, had served on local uh, historic commissions himself. Mm-hmm. So it was a unique opportunity uh, for him to uh, work on the building with us. I think he called it his little Swiss watch with all the, the moving parts. So I know he took uh, great joy in, in working with us on the plans. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the research, um, we, we were able to delve into a lot of uh, public sources, uh, the mass historic files, and, and actually some files down in Washington, D.C. Um, to uncover the uh, historic uh, aspects of the building. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember you doing a lot of research um, when you were going through this whole project, even your own research to start with on all of the grants and the 
um, the opportunities for historic restoration. And so you really became a self-educated guru, yes. um, you know, on with all on the fly. Mm -hmm. And um, what was that experience like for you? Well, the, the building, like you said uh, in the introduction, it's, it's on the National Register of Historic Places, mm -hmm. so that's the high, it's individually listed, yeah. so that's the highest uh, designation a building can have. And I knew there would be some opportunities with that designation to perhaps um, pursue either just some grants or some special uh, financing opportunities. Um, you know, I knew there was something out there. I just didn't know what it was exactly mm -hmm. at the time. So again, uh, just spending more time in the archives, uh, researching, and then I, I ended up uh, contracting with uh, a preservation consultant called Epsilon and Associates, mm -hmm. and they helped us identify some opportunities. Um, to make the project more viable financially. Mm -hmm. So if we have um, viewers watching the show tonight and they're they're thinking, you know, it would be wonderful to purchase a historic home mm -hmm. or a historic building um, and then either living in it or turning it into um, an office building sure. or if it is an office building that's historic and then just revitalizing it. Yeah. What's What are some tips that you can give them? What's some advice? Um, First, you know, what's the first thing that they should think about? Well, uh, with any property, it's there's a lot of information out there that you you might not even think about. So just simply going to your town hall, mm -hmm. uh, pulling up you know building permit records, um, you know deed records, seeing you know who owned the property, and then you know your local historic commissions, mm -hmm. um, looking through those files to see if you have any specific designations, uh, mass historic with the state archives has a great uh, computer catalog mm -hmm. system, so you can actually just go right online and type in your property address, and, and if it's historic, more likely than not, you're gonna get a file on that. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of uh, opportunities that way. And then once you figure out the, the, the history and the story of the building, there are a number of different ways you can uh, pursue um, some incentives, perhaps, mm -hmm. to, to renovate and restore. And so would you recommend that they would immediately work with a consultant to um, to gain access to that information to save them time? Like, I think so. Depending on the nature mm -hmm. of the project with this, you know, with the post office building being a 17-unit uh, multi-use uh, building, you know, 20,000 mm -hmm. square feet, uh, it's, it's quite complex. Mm -hmm. um, perhaps you could work with your local commission if it's just a, you know, a residential home, a single-family home, mm -hmm. uh, depending on the circumstances. Mm -hmm. But uh, for us to have the historic consultants uh, at Epsilon uh, here in Massachusetts was, was invaluable to navigate the process. That's great. Yeah. Tell us about the clock tower because that is so beautiful. It is. And I remember... Um, at the very top in the penthouse, you were showing us how you could actually walk up into the clock tower. And so um, does it have a lot of significance to the people that live around Plymouth and, um, and also to the history? I know that it was once gold, and then you went ahead and right. uh, put real gold on the mm -hmm. dome to refinish it, yeah. to give it like this, you know, top of the line and treatment of perfection. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the significance of it and the history of it and just what people say now when they see this beautiful dome yeah. um, in the center of this uh, very busy um, area. Right. So the, the clock tower, it, is, it really is special no matter, you know, if you're walking down the sidewalk, if you're driving down Main Street, or actually coming in uh, through the harbor uh, on a boat. 
Mm -hmm. uh, Any way you look at it, it's special. It rises up uh, 125 feet in the air, so there's uh, there's no chance that you'll miss it, right. especially now. Uh, like you said, we've uh, we've done the the dome over mm -hmm. uh, with real gold leaf. So that was one of really the first items that we tackled uh, when we purchased the building. We were still um, trying to figure out how we were going to renovate the building, how we'd reuse it, but we thought it might be a nice introduction uh, from our group uh, to the town mm -hmm. to start with the clock tower because the clock tower was going to remain the clock tower. So we decided to uh, strip down all the, uh, the paint and uh, replace all the rotten boards and work our way up to the uh, golden dome and uh, we put all new real italian uh, gold leaf on it mm -hmm. it's really beautiful and did it take a lot to get it working mechanically or was it working mechanically before you took over the building it was not working mechanically when we took over the building so the clock hands all four of them were set to different times mm -hmm. uh, the components had, had been long gone. Mm -hmm. um, so it was nice to, you know, really uh, revisit this situation and, and to get the clocks running on time again. So we brought in a whole new clock system. And then we were able to remove the old hands from the clock tower and mm -hmm. trace them. And mm -hmm. then so our new clock hands are made out of metal, mm -hmm. uh, whereas the old ones were made out of wood but they're an exact replica of what used to be there. That's fantastic. Very, very nice. So one of the old sets was donated to the town of Plymouth mm -hmm. uh, as, a, as a decoration for the new town hall building. Very so nice. So they have an original uh, set mm -hmm. of clock hands from, from 1912. That's lovely, lovely. Yeah. Let's talk about the marble. When you walk into the lobby of the building, is the, is the marble refurbished marble from 100 years ago? Is it new marble? It is. Uh, the, the marble is original to mm -hmm. the building, so when you, when you walk uh, through the front doors, you come through the, the horizontal portico, which mm -hmm. we have all these beautiful limestone columns, right. and then you step into the main lobby area, mm -hmm. and uh, all the way from floor to ceiling, uh, the walls are, are covered in this white uh, Vermont marble. It's beautiful. And uh, the lobby, we're, we're lucky a lot of the original features mm -hmm. um, were either intact or they're covered up in a way that we're able to reveal them again um, with minimal uh, damage or, or mm -hmm. uh, restoration work required. Mm -hmm. That's great. So the, the first floor is the post office, then you have um, offices, and then you have the second floor, there's some offices, and then you have those gorgeous uh, luxury residential um, uh, condominiums. Yes. Yep. And are they all leased at this point? So or? we have 17 units in the building total, mm -hmm. and we have uh, three commercial spaces left mm -hmm. and, and one residential unit. So, Wonderful. So once once the spaces were finished up, we were, we were pretty happy that, you know, 13 of them uh, went pretty quickly, mm -hmm. uh, one of which is the United States Postal Service. Right. So uh, they've been in the building as the primary occupant for over 100 years. It's amazing. And we're happy to say that uh, we've negotiated with them to stay for the foreseeable future. Great. And uh, yeah, so during the whole project, uh, we can't forget that there was a, you know, a postal facility Yes. operating the entire time. So not only was the building challenging in its uh, construction and scope, but mm -hmm. we also had a postal service that couldn't afford one minute of downtime. Right. So we were able to renovate their space and move them overnight 
uh, into the new space with, with no service interruptions. Wow, that's amazing. So tell us about, now let's take a little journey to Nantucket. So, sure. Um, so we're leaving this gorgeous, stately. America's hometown. America's hometown from the first Main Street in the United States of America. And now we're going to this lovely island of Nantucket and you're doing some amazing work there. Yes. So why don't you tell us a little bit about um, the work there and especially um, your historic renovation project? Sure. Um, well, another, uh, another historic project for us as part of our Rebuilding America theme. And uh, I don't know if that was quite by design, mm -hmm. but now we uh, keep finding these historic properties or, or they're finding us. But we're happy to uh, announce that our Nantucket project is wrapping up mm -hmm. uh, in the coming weeks, 25 Broadway. And it was a, a really special project for us, uh, another one of uh, great uh, scope and, and ambition. And it was certainly challenging. Uh, we first came across the property in 2015, and it was uh, in quite a state of, of disrepair, and it had been sitting on the market for a while. I had visited the property, I think, about two or three times and uh, there was just something about it uh, that I wanted to know more about it. And I, I thought that we would be the group um, to really bring it back to life. Mm -hmm. So I brought uh, Yanni and, and Nick over for a visit. So, um, And I had been talking the property up about how beautiful it was and the character and the location mm -hmm. and this and that. And then they they showed up and we, we go to the property and it's sinking into the ground oh 10 inches. God. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so uh, I, think, uh, I think they thought uh, I was- thought you were uh, crazy. A little crazy. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that's why it sat on the market because there wasn't uh, a group crazy enough to, to take it on. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, the structure dates back to the 1700s mm. and it was uh, originally used as a barn mm -hmm. and then it was dragged out to its current site mm -hmm. Uh, so when it was set there in the late 1700s, it wasn't placed on a formal foundation of any kind, uh, no slab, uh, no stone, no block. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the reasons why it had been sinking, um, you know, year after year into right. the ground. So mm -hmm. uh, when we purchased it, it was literally about 10 inches below grade. And so what did you do? Did you have to jack it up and put a, a slab underneath it? How did you fix that problem? We did. So that mm -hmm. was the start of it. And uh, if, if any of the viewers are familiar with the, the village of Sconset on mm -hmm. Nantucket, far east end of the island, mm -hmm. uh, the homes are right on top of each other. So a uh, very tight site. And uh, so what we had to do was lift it up in the air and uh, we excavated a, a foundation hole and mm -hmm. poured a full, full foundation. Underneath it, Underneath. and then slowly lowered it back down. And then slowly lowered it back down. Wow. And along the way, uh, we hired a geotechnical firm mm -hmm. because, again, the houses are right on top of each other. Right. And we're worried about getting the house up in the air and then the vibrations, mm -hmm. um, you know, possibly mm -hmm. uh, leading uh, to the destruction of a neighboring home or causing uh, significant damage. So we had a geotechnical firm. Uh, monitoring the seismic activity mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, during the whole house lift mm -hmm. and excavation. Mm -hmm. And they had the authority to shut it down if we reached uh, 
dangerous levels, That's excellent. which we didn't. That's so. great. And you won an award for that project as well. Uh, we're nominated. You're nominated we're nominated for, that for an Nantucket uh, Preservation Trust so uh, exciting. award. So yeah, Very it's, exciting. it's nice to even be uh, considered. So we'll, yes. we'll stay tuned on that. That's really wonderful. And so what is the end use of this particular property? What is the end use going to be? Is it a commercial use? Is it residential? It's residential. Mm -hmm. and, and the history of the building has bounced back and forth between, you know, starting out as a barn and then it was used for a variety of commercial purposes. Mm -hmm. And it was known as the Sconset Store mm -hmm. in the 1800s. Uh, so just a general store for the village selling, you know, run-of-the-mill uh, houseware goods and, mm -hmm. and groceries. And then it became a, a residential space. And then it bounced back to commercial. And, and now here we are. We have two residential units uh, in the in the structure. Wonderful. And wasn't it a sea captain's home at one point? It was. So yes. uh, local lore is confirmed mm -hmm. uh, by deed research. The uh, the home did belong to uh, whale ship captain Elijah Clark. Hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, it's certainly, it's just... It has uh, a wonderful history. It does. It really has a storied mm -hmm. history. Um, and it's in such a great spot. And we're... Mm -hmm. We're happy we, we took it on. That's terrific. So tell us what is next. So you, you've you just tackled this amazing post office restoration um, that has been recognized nationwide. Um, it's a very significant um, in, uh, asset to not just to you and your, and your investment firm and also the town of Plymouth and the region, but also it's a huge um, asset to the, to the country because you've preserved one of its oldest buildings and it's uh, very noteworthy. And, uh, and now you have this um, lovely uh, project that you've completed in Plymouth, which again has so much history. Mm. Um, for the island, for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. As you look towards the future, what are some of the things that you're thinking? What is your vision for other ideas and other projects that you're gonna be looking for? Yeah, so we, we have some projects in the pipeline. I knew you would, uh, George, yeah, I knew you would. We're, we're ready yeah. to go. Some of these Good. have overlapped as yeah. well, so yeah. uh, it's been uh, you know a little bit of multitasking. Um, but I think uh, what we'll be doing uh, this spring and summer uh, and into the future is, you know, we'll be working with Preservation Massachusetts, mm -hmm. uh, which is a nonprofit organization that advocates for the, the preservation of historic structures. Mm -hmm. So we'll be telling our story uh, in Plymouth and uh, in Nantucket in hopes of uh, inspiring other people to take on these challenges. And we're, we're going to tell that story with an eye on uh, 2020, which is the 400 year anniversary of the Pilgrim Landing in Plymouth. So we're excited that we're going to be uh, at the crossroads of history um, with, uh, with those projects there. So we'll, we'll be working on some advocacy issues. But mm -hmm. as far as uh, projects, uh, we're going to be working in downtown Whitman uh, probably for the next couple of years. Uh, we have uh, six buildings downtown that are all slated for redevelopment. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just so happens that they're all built from 1850 to 1890, so wow. nothing, uh, nothing newer than 1890, so wow. another uh, historic batch of well, properties. I'm sure you do a beautiful job with those. And if um, someone is watching and they know of a 
spectacular historic property, whether it's commercial or residential. Where can they reach you? Do you have an email address or perhaps direct them to your website yeah. so they can learn a little bit more and, uh, and let you know about yeah. that? Yeah, folks can always reach us on our website at mm -hmm. uh, 1620capital.com, 1620capital. Great. And, and they uh, can click on contact? Is yep, they can contact right. us right through the tab Wonderful. there, uh, share with us uh, you know, information, and they can also keep up to date. Uh, with what our group is doing, but uh, we're always we're always interested in finding that that next thing, or or perhaps being a resource to a to a group that's taking on um, mm -hmm. you know a historic project, and if they're looking to leverage some of the opportunities, uh, we've been fortunate to acquire uh, some some knowledge uh, mm -hmm. through the post office project and working with the National Park Service and some of the different financing incentives. So. Terrific. Yeah. They're terrific. And I think in closing, I just want to remind our viewers that how beautiful this came full circle with your father immigrating over from Greece and then finding his passion and doing what he loves to do and then investing in the essence of our great nation mm -hmm. in uh, real estate assets. And then with your uh, vision and with your brother's uh, vision as well and taking it to the next level by... Um, really looking at historic preservation yeah. and making a huge and significant difference with respect to uh, the nation's uh, most prized assets in historic preservation and how uh, wonderful that is. And just, uh, it's a great, great story. And uh, we really appreciate your sharing it with us. Yeah, well, thank you uh, for taking the time to hear it. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you. And we look forward to hearing more about your projects in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. All right. Thanks.